0: you're traveling through another dimension a dimension not only of sight and sound but of
1: mind
0: a journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination there's a signpost up ahead your next stop set podcast to sun Hello, welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where Ouija board tells us to watch random Twilight Zone episodes. And if you thought this podcast was on a different subject, well, it probably means you have somehow traveled to another dimension. I'm Emily the Enigmatic, joined as always by Corey the Conundrum.
2: Greetings, mysterious travelers.
0: And Curious Clint. Hey,
2: uh,
1: hey guys. Wait, what's- What's going on? Why are we talking about the Twilight Zone? Where, didn't you guys watch the next Star Trek episode?
0: Clint, did you get hit on the head? I don't
1: know what you're talking about. Are you? Is this like an April Fool's Day joke? It's a couple days early, so that would be idiotic. Did you mean to say Star Wars? No, Star Trek, guys. This is a Star Trek. It's called set. Podcast is done. It would be idiotic if it was like something else. You know, like it doesn't even make sense for Twilight Zone. Clint, this was your idea.
0: I as the person who's usually in charge of this podcast all the time just really love that name for some reason. There's there's no other reason why we would call it that. Yeah, I don't it's know like what you're talking about, Claire. After
2: you watch an episode of the Twilight Zone, you're like always stunned because of the the mysterious ending, remember? I mean I guess I guess it makes sense,
1: but
0: Yeah, the show has been rebooted like a thousand times. How could you think it was something else?
1: But I mean, aren't we gonna talk about the next episode of Star Trek? Uh, Emily, Stop. I don't know
0: what
2: he's doing, but can we just like move forward with this, with his, his stupid bit that he's doing?
0: Yeah, okay, Clint, you gotta clear bits with us first, otherwise it just the comedy doesn't land.
1: Oh my god, what's happening?
0: So, on today's episode, we have Nick of Time, classic episodes featuring a actor who would later go on to be a very famous Hollywood casualty.
2: It was William
1: Shanter, I think. His name's William Shatner, yeah. guys, he's... He's the star of Star
2: Trek. He's Captain Kirk. Oh my God, on Star Trek again. Emily, just keep going.
0: Oh, is that the show that he... That must be the pilot he was filming, right? What do you mean? I mean, I always forget the name, but uh, Clint is going to go ahead and just spoil the story for us. Thanks a lot, Clint. But yeah, the star of these two episodes uh, was filming a pilot of a show in the late 60s when he died on set and it spurred a lot of changes in how uh actors and behind scenes uh workers are treated
2: wasn't it very famous wasn't it a, um, a chandelier fell on him that's what that's what i read
0: it was something well so yes there was a chandelier involved but like the whole wall collapsed because they had just been like rewriting and fixing things on set the day of and Uh, It was, like, a really easily fixed safety issue that they just overlooked. But a lot of laws sprang from it.
2: I read that it was, like, if that hadn't happened, sci-fi would have, like, really taken off on television. But because that happened, like, they they just never started filming any science fiction on television. Anyway, I don't know. I just read that. Oh, my God. History's been changed.
0: I mean, can you even imagine, though, if we didn't have all of these years of... Twilight Zone and instead had some sort of weird space opera, I mean what would our world be? It would be terrible So, I think you know, we're kind of rushing ahead with our plan for the podcast today, but uh, what does seem clear is that Clint is trying to make excuses for not having watched the episodes ahead of time again
1: No, no, I actually I happened to watch Nick of Time and Nightmare at 20,000 feet cuz William Shatner stars in both of these. I thought it would be interesting to
2: I think it's Shanter.
1: I, I I thought it'd be interesting to see what how, you know, what acting he was doing before he was cast in Star Trek.
0: Okay. Uh well, that was also what we talked about last week when we planned this out after finishing the la- last episode uh about not this star whatever show you keep talking about. So anyway, let's talk about the Twilight Zone.
2: All right.
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, Nick of Time is our first one. Corey, do you want to give us a uh, a recap?
2: Yes. Nick of Time is set in small town Ohio. A young couple on their way to their honeymoon uh, adventure in New York City has their car. I don't know what happens to the car. Did it get hit or something? Did it just stop working?
0: No, I
1: think it just broke down.
0: It needs a new part.
1: Of like a fuel pump or something.
0: Yeah.
2: A fuel pump. A fuel pump from hell. When <laughs> when their car breaks down, they are towed to a town that they will not be able to escape unless they are able to give up everything that's important to them. So we have this uh, young couple and they are, it, it's kind of fun, like the episode starts up with them in the car while it's being towed and we see this handsome young man named William Shatner um, and his wife, and they are just about to go to New York, but then their car breaks down. So the person at the tow company is like, wow, it's going to take us about four hours to get your car fixed. Why don't you go walk around our little town? And so they do. Um, The very first thing that they do is they go to a cafe. And actually, most of the episode is set in this cafe. They find a booth and at the booth, is this napkin holder with uh, the words Mystic Seer printed on it. At least I think, was it, is that what it said? Was it wasn't like Mystical Seer? I think Seer? it was,
1: yeah, it was something to that effect.
2: Uh, it
0: has a little plastic devil on top with a jewel eye, which oh is my, my favorite part.
2: He's like
1: winking at you.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's winking. And I really like that this inanimate object, just the way that they, they do zoom-ins on it and the way that, it has so many cuts mm-hmm. to its face because it's like a bobbly head. It's on a spring on top of this napkin holder. How it absolutely mm-hmm. becomes a, a character in this episode. And you start to like mm-hmm. get kind of this revulsion whenever you see it. Even though it's not doing anything. It's just a stupid plastic head. I think they did a really good job of turning this thing into an antagonist that is so inanimate.
0: It feels like another character for sure.
2: So the uh, the William Shatner character, he is... This is a young couple, and he is hoping that he's going to be getting a promotion from his big job. I forgot what he did. He was like something in sales, or he was an accountant. He's or like, something like he's that. like
1: an account. Yeah, he he'll be like an office manager. I like to. Uh, Rob Sterling calls him the male member of a honeymoon team, and I just thought that was such a weird
2: way of of like describing him. I yeah
0: right. I know. I didn't catch that, but now I feel creeped out.
2: The and since this is a Twilight Zone podcast and we've talked about rod sterling like a billion times already we have probably mentioned the openers that they have but like i just it's so cool the way that they do the opener because they'll like give you some sort of an, an intrigue and then the camera swipes over to him and he's usually somewhere in the setting in this case i think he's sitting at a booth of the same restaurant and then he does his normal mm. spiel while he's smoking a cigarette and it's just so cool
0: i have the same I have the same note like I love how he's uh, always smoking and he's just has these like Eugene Levy expressive eyebrows and yeah you're right he's just somewhere in there. I love when he's he's sitting in a booth this time but like in other episodes he's like leaning against the wall or sometimes he like does a little like action and then turns around and it's just yeah it is just so I don't know chic and classy and bygone era.
2: I don't know if this is weird, but like whenever he talks, I always look at his mouth because he does cool things with his mouth, like how his lips interact with his teeth.
0: Uh
2: huh. <laughs> and his t- yeah, he's like he like does like a quick like lick lick of his lips with his tongue. I don't know. This sounds really weird, but he's just he's he's good at using his mouth expressively. No, I, <laughs> I, I hear you. He's on good that.
0: at using his mouth. Ooh. <laughs>
2: He is
1: just like an interesting. I don't. He has such like a striking face. I don't want to say it's like ugly yeah. or, pr- but it it really strikes you. I don't. It's know. like Lincoln esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: He has he has like no upper lip, but then like a very triangular smile, and he is. He always feels like he's like he's a little twinkle in his eyes. He's smirking at you, and you hope it's in an inviting way, but it, it could be a devilish way. Uh, yeah, he's just, I can't picture anyone but him doing this job.
2: I would invite any of you to watch, uh, doc, uh, not documentaries, interviews that he did, like on shows in the 50s and 60s. I mean, he is just so well-spoken. I mean, he he just, he takes over whatever show he's on and he'll just talk to, and talk and talk. It's really cool. He has such a great He does have
1: play. a great, and he has a great voice too. Like he's perfect for for being the Twilight Zone host.
2: He taught me the word temerity.
1: Here's an editor's note for your consideration. Temerity means excessive confidence or boldness, audacity. Temerity. Temerity.
0: I was uh, I was definitely trying to channel him as I do every week when we do our intro, and uh, I feel like I'm just I sound like someone trying to imitate Richard Nixon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's continue on with this with the summary.
2: i take notes from emily
0: yes so they give pennies they give pennies to the little demon yeah so which is
2: the the william shatner character has like a lot of uh he's kind of a superstitious person and you can see that because his keychain has a lucky rabbit's foot on he's always kissing it has a four leaf clover on it and so he's already susceptible to superstition and 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 metaphysical manifestations and whatnot this napkin holder has the word
1: did you guys catch the bread and butter thing that he did? No. Because I actually, what? I yeah. went back and I kind of rewatched the beginning of the episode to see how they portray him as superstitious. So they're coming to like a light and she's about to let go of his hand um, so they can walk by it. But back in the day, that was considered bad luck for young couples to like part ways. So what you would say uh. is you would say bread and butter and then you let go of their hand, and then you, and then that, that's good that negates the bad luck. Um, but it's kind of funny where he even refused to let go of her hand. Like he he wouldn't let go of her hand and he said bread and butter. So that's another that is Ooh, cool. I didn't
0: catch that at all. Yeah, that's another yeah.
1: instance of him being superstitious. I was just kind of looking because it's kind of hard to access it nowadays, right? This is like 60, 80 years ago. So yeah. catching those like superstitious things that people do is I think hard. Cause it's not in our culture anymore. Probably that bread and butter thing would be something that we would be more apt to catching
2: back in the day.
0: Oh yeah. I didn't know that. That's cool.
2: Or it'd be Thanks like a, a vestigial Finally pulling thing. Pulling your weight today. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> or it'd be like a vestigial thing where people say it, you know, they don't really know why they say it. Cause I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. I've heard that before, but um, like step so,
1: on a back,
0: like,
2: break your brother's Mac back. Yeah.
0: Or the speak of the devil, and you know the the last half of that, mm-hmm. and the devil appears. Or my other favorite one, you know everybody says, curiosity killed the cat? But... Well, there's a second half, but satisfaction brought it back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, so basically everyone says, curiosity killed the cat, to be like, don't do it. But the real saying is, but do it.
2: <laughs> but don't. <laughs> but do.
0: But do. You'll be a fine.
2: So Shatner, he, he thinks he's going to get a promotion. He's going to make a call to the office while he's on his honeymoon. And before he does that, he decides he's going to ask the mystic seer if he got the promotion or not. So the way it works is you take a penny out and you put the penny in the slot and you push down on this lever and this little piece of paper comes out. And I imagine there's like a little printer in there with an oscillating number of, of you know, uh, magic eight ball responses. So he asks if they are going to, if he's going to get the promotion, punches it down, and it says, "What does it say? Like it's already been decided."
0: It's been decided in your, fa- mm-hmm. in your yeah. favor.
2: it's already
1: been decided in your favor.
2: And he's like, "Hey, hey, look at that!" And he goes over and makes the phone call, and yeah, lo and behold, he got, he got the, uh, he got the promotion. I wanted to just mention here the use of currency in this episode, and mm-hmm. I love, I just love. It's so unfortunate that that that's gone. I think it's Louis C.K. has a bit about like just carrying around gold in the West and just slamming it down on the counter when you wanted to order, you know, something with your big old coin. But I I love in this episode, just the tactile uh, sensation that the sounds that change makes, they put change into the jukebox. They put it into this uh, mystic seer. They put it into the telephone. Just, I, I, I just love it. It's so, oh, it's so crunchy and it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, the prices of things are like in the sense to like a cup of coffee is a dollar mm-hmm. so you just give, a you know, four quarters or whatever. I don't know. I just really like it. I wish we were still like that.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you oh, noticed I that because I noticed that too. I had a note that says change is the real star of this episode because mm-hmm. they just use it <laughs> so much. There's also so something so like totemistic in this episode so to like having change where I don't, it's like almost that kind of idea that like in greek mythology when you die you're supposed to have some money on you to give to um emily what's his name um
0: charon the guy that ferries you across the river lath in the underworld
1: so i change it almost took on that kind of like mystical symbology i think in this episode symbolism
0: I am impressed with you guys because I the whole time didn't really notice that that much. And then when he says the prices, I was like, LOL, everything's so cheap. I actually kind of like nowadays that in movies, they don't say the prices of things anymore because it just breaks the fourth wall for me. If they're like, we're going to get you a lot of money, it's $100,000. I'm like, that's not that much money. You know, like whatever they say, you start evaluating that number and... I also hate carrying cash so much, but now I'm I'm like oh that is kind of nice as well.
1: Did you guys know too? I don't know if this had any significance, but they had the like tomato and lettuce sandwiches, and the diner owner was pushing the chicken fried steak, and I was wondering if that like was there anything about that that came of that or? Was Let it me just tell you. Something I was
0: weird. wondering that too. I thought my guess was just that it was going to be like. It's supposed to make you feel weird. Like, why would he care? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, he like delivers the sandwiches and he's like, wow, you're not going to like that as much as if you'd had the chicken fried steak.
2: Yeah, this guy's trying to influence their decisions and they're going to stick with their original decisions, even though he's like, no, you should do this instead. And it was just kind of mirroring what the seer was doing, I think. Like, you would have been happier if you'd had this outcome, but because you chose this, your life wasn't as good. You got this crappy sandwich. You should have gone with my recommendation, much like the seer was trying Mm -hmm. to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Or,
0: or, yeah, or maybe to contrast that at the beginning, they can make a choice. They're like, I don't care. That's what I want. And then in the middle, Shatner <clears throat> gets so paralyzed by indecision that he can't even decide one thing or another. And so maybe just to show that decline.
2: Do you guys remember when Breaking Bad was huge? Um, and I remember going to the Reddit. And after every single episode there was always a huge discussion about every single prop and its significance. <laughs> like Walter was wearing yeah. a mm-hmm. blue shirt and then the wallpaper behind him had balloons. So that meant that he his ambitions were going too sky high. And I'm sure like I'm sure the directors of the episode were like, no, he just that was the only wallpaper that we could find. And it, it reminds me of uh Gary Paulson in Hatchet. There's a there's a scene where Brian and Hatchet is uh he's discovering fire for the first time and he throws his hatchet at the rock wall in frustration because he can't figure out how to make fire. And suddenly like sparks come up and, and he's discovered fire. And apparently there was a lot read into that. Uh, people were talking about that Gary Paulson, the author was trying to, you know, give a metaphor about the birth of mankind and, and our, you know, our emotions giving us some sort of technological advantage. And Gary Paulson's like, no I just thought it was a cool scene I didn't didn't read anything into it (laughs) so maybe Rod Sterling is just like throwing a bunch of little a little like things out there like go ahead make your master's thesis about any of this stuff it doesn't matter I just I just added these little things in here for fun yeah
0: I mean to go off on a rant like I always do I think my favorite example of that is J.R.R. Tolkien and Lord of the Rings people said like oh this is such a metaphor for World War II and I can't remember if Tolkien or his son fought in World War II, but something like that. And um, It, was, it was, was World
2: War One that he fought in.
1: Oh, um, was
2: it World War One? Yeah. yeah. I, no, you're
0: I, right. You Corey's right. Corey's yeah, right. Corey is right. Uh, My brain is yeah. not firing on all cylinders today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so people said like, oh, well, we see metaphors for, <clears throat> you know, if he fought in World War One, he would have been alive to see the rise of World War Two. He was writing them, you know, along those times. And people were saying, oh, you're, you know, creating metaphors about the world wars and all these ways that it tracks and it tracks really, really well. And he said, no, absolutely not. Like I'm writing, you know, stories that have nothing to do with war, nothing to do with our world. But the thing is, like, for all these people were able to access this narrative because of it and. This idea that you could be experiencing something as intense in the culture as World War II and not respond to it feels unlikely. And and so, I don't, I don't know. Uh, there's a whole debate about do you privilege the author's intent or the reader reception. And I tend to lean on reader reception. That, like, y- you are the author, but you're not going to be able to escape the society that you're in. And so, if you put, like, a weird emphasis on something, then you're drawing on the same like symbology that your audience would respond to symbolism. Mm-hmm. I, I do think though, if it was on purpose, I feel like maybe it would be something like lamb. Cause we think of lambs being slaughtered and everything. So maybe it was an accident, mm-hmm. but it definitely did feel uneasy.
1: What did, what are you talking about now? Oh,
0: the scene where he's like, you would have been happier with a, with a, different order i i feel like that happens a lot in the twilight zone where they just set up interaction that should be polite is kind of weird or rude or off-putting and i think it's just to like set up in the audience's mind that the expectation is going to be a little weird or to Mm, make mm -hmm. them feel off balance that makes sense that makes sense
2: so they're eating their sandwiches and just for fun William Shatner character is like hey you know what let's ask it if we're going to get out of here because the the mechanic said it's going to be 4 hours um let's see if we'll get out of here more and and the at this time the wife is still like yeah yeah this is this is kind of funny go for it and so he puts it in and i am sorry i did i do not remember the line of questionings that he asks it to 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 get to the point where he starts to really believe what it's saying.
1: Yeah, there, he's like, "Oh, are we gonna get out of here in you know X hours?" And he's like, "Oh, it's unclear." And it's like, "Should we stay here t- from two o'clock? Should we stay here until three o'clock?" And it's like, "Oh, you don't want to find out." It seems like the slips of because you put a penny in you, and then you hit ask a question and then you get a slip of paper. And it it has the response. So every response seems to be perfectly answering every question. And so this is what's kind of freaking Shatner out. And then, you know, they're like, this is superstitious. Let's get out of here. Shatner's kind of like struggling a lot because he's prone to superstition. They were kind of saying like, it's as if you married an alcoholic, but my alcohol is rabbit's feet and mystic teller's.
2: So he basically goes through a line of questioning that he convinces himself that they should not leave the cafe until three o'clock because he's like, should we leave at two mm-hmm. oh, thirty? No, are we going to be in danger? It's likely. Should we leave at three o'clock? Most assuredly. So he is convinced that they sh- they should not leave the cafe, or something really bad will happen to them. So they wait in that cafe for forty five minutes. At this point, the wife, bless her heart, is just like, "Okay, I I'm, I'm gonna wait for you, but you know what? It's it's two fifty seven. Can we please just go?" And he is super reluctant to go, but they walk out. And they leave. They leave early. Is the point. yeah like three I mean, minutes they, early? They defy the machine and they leave. They leave early. Yeah. And while they're crossing the street. Uh, a car almost hits them and it convinces William Shatner. That, yeah. Yeah. that See, exactly. But like, I mean, and the, the big hole is like, if they'd left at 2.30 when they were going to originally, they would have been in no danger at all. Exactly. I thought it was a bad example of them
1: being a danger. Plus I thought too, if like William Shatner is just like, oh, we can make it across. They should have just waited. If you just waited like 10 seconds to cross the street, you wouldn't have had this scary you know, thing. So I thought it was a weird proof of concept.
0: I think the whole the whole point is that Shatner's character is like, look, that was a sign that, you know, if we had done what the sparkly winking demon said, we would Mm -hmm. have been fine. But we left early and now, you know, we can't do it. And so but she's also being like, these are totally Mm -hmm. random. Like And so then they go back and she's just asking it questions that are blatantly wrong. Like, will I ever get married? And the answers that it comes back are fitting, even for wrong ones. Like it says, the answer Mm -hmm. is obvious. Yeah. And so she starts getting a little wigged out, too.
1: You jumped ahead a little bit because before this, they asked it, like, are we going to get out of here early or not? And then it said, oh, it's already been taken care of or something like that and then two seconds later the mechanic comes in i want to
2: live in that america by the way where i'm just having a coffee and then my my fucking jiffy lube dude is like hey man i came across the street to tell you that your car's done instead of what i normally (laughs) the treatment i normally get hey you want to go into this room (laughs) that's 55 degrees because the ac is on even in the winter and just sit here and look at our coffee thing that's empty and then we might talk to you for the next three hours, but we probably won't. <laughs> for sure. The the uh, auto services in this
1: small town is in the 60s is way, way above what we get nowadays.
2: Okay, here's my idea. I cool. want, because uh, I want like a McDonald's playpen for adults inside of like a car store because <laughs> no... of uh, (laughs) Americans know how cars work, (laughs) and most of us don't, and most of us are just nodding and agreeing with everything that the mechanic says, and we just do not want to be there, and we have to be there for all day, like at a dealership, it really, really, really sucks, so I want to have like a pinball machine arcade, or maybe a slide, I don't know.
0: (laughs) I was going to suggest an open bar, but then I was like, oh wait, you have to drive away from that, that's a terrible idea. Emily, your solution
1: (laughs) to everything is an open bar.
0: I mean- with the exception of at the mechanics, it's a great solution. <laughs> it is a solution to your, to your boredom. It is not a solution to being a poor driver.
1: So, so anyway, um, yeah. And then, so they just ask this thing more questions and they're kind of cheeky. And I mean, it seems like he's really answering, you know, everything, everything pretty well. And so then the wife is just like, Hey, let's get out of here. And he's like, "But what if this thing is real?" And she says, "I love this, especially if it's real, then I especially don't want to have it anything to do with it." And then they have an argument. It's kind of a free will like are you just going to sit here and ask this thing questions all, every day? And he's kind of in a moment of crisis. Like he's
2: obsessed with it. Like he he just keeps throwing pennies in and he just keeps asking it little tiny questions yeah. and he just like he it looks like he's about to get drug into a rabbit hole where he's never going to leave this thing. So They are. I love it. They're standing up in the cafe and they're just having this really intense conversation, which serves as the climax of the episode. I just want to say that I love that. I mean, the budget for this episode was tiny, right? They just they just sat in a cafe and talked Mm -hmm. the whole time.
0: Oh, that definitely, it definitely—it definitely was yeah. shot in a backlot. Yeah, too. I mean,
2: there, like, you had to pay for the actors, and and that was it. Like there was nothing, no, no explosions, no <laughs> no people falling out of windows, firing shots at a plane. Right? It was just, it was just super duper simple, but they're just having this heated discussion. Like you said, a free will conversation. Are you going to let this thing guide your life? What about us? We can make our own life. He's asking the machine like, where are we going to live? Are we going to live in the West? And then he looks at the card, but he doesn't tell us what the result is. Are we going to live in the East? He looks at the card, it doesn't tell us what the result is. Um, only only he knows. And I'm curious what the card was was telling him. And he's just trying to zero in exactly what his future is going to look like. And his wife is just becoming freaked out, and she probably believes that it's going on. But yeah, she's she's so she's so against knowing what their future is going to be. And she's just terrified of seeing where her husband is
0: becoming. Well, she has, and then, um, I was just going to say, she has this great line where she says, you know, if our life is going to be good, it's because we are going to make it good. And she definitely has this thing where she's not necessarily fighting him on whether it's real or not. It's just whether or not they have to be tied to it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so finally he realized, yeah, he realizes that. Yeah, you're right. We we cannot let this thing rule our lives. They um they leave. They just walk out. They don't even drink their coffees, which always bothers me in <laughs> in television when people leave food, <laughs> drinks behind. And then the best part of the episode happens because I was I, before. Before I was like, okay, I know how this is going to end. He's going to kind of realize that, you know, he needs to get away from this. And then they walk away. But the thing that makes the episode so, so, so great is after they leave, mm-hmm. another couple walks into the cafe. And they sit down at the same booth. And they both look haggard and tired and just just absolutely freaked out. And she's like, go ahead, ask him the question. And the husband fumbles and puts a penny in. And he's like, is, is today the day that we can leave? And then they look at it.
0: And then, he p- brings out a whole handful of pennies. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I like to, the first thing he a- asks it is, can we ask more questions? Oh now? yeah. Like he gets permission from it to ask more questions. And then it's like, okay, you can ask me more questions. And it's like, can we leave today? Can we leave tomorrow? Yeah. When can we leave? And then, so they're like stuck in this hell where the other people broke free. And it's, and it's such a great moment. Because I think it really shows the choice. Like this thing is like it can tell you the future, but it's not obni- omnipotent and it doesn't control your future. So I thought it was a great kind of way to show. And uh, William Shatner, they've earned their independence, right? They're they've earned their right to choose their own destiny because they were willing to stand up against the unknown world. They're they're willing to weather the unknown world to make their lives better. But the, this other couple, they've surrendered their agency to this machine. And so they almost deserve to be they in this hell where they can't make any decisions. They can't move forward in their life because they've surrendered their agency to this machine.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's interesting, too, because just sort of going further into the parallels between them and how they break it. There's a part where Shatner and his wife, when they leave and then come back to that cafe, there's people sitting at the table. And these things are just, there's like, it's a napkin holder with a fortune teller on top. They're all over the restaurant. And his wife is like, well, let's try this one on the counter. And Shatner's like, no, no, it has to be that one. And those people leave and then they sit down and they get to ask it the questions. But the the couple that comes in at the end has the exact same reaction when they see that the table's free. They have this, like, relief flooding through them, and they go to that same one. And so I think that is playing into the parallels, but also infusing it with a little bit of that, like, magic or sci-fi that, like, maybe this really is, like, a fortune-telling demon that can control you because it's this particular table that snares both these couples.
1: I just want to add on to that real quick. That That's, like, another feature of superstition right where you're like no this particular
0: yeah it has to be this one mm-hmm.
1: like sure there's a ton of these you know fortune tellers all around but it has to be this one right I have to wear my specific lucky socks and I'll do better in my sports game you know I have to eat this particular meal yeah. to get this good result
2: yeah I think the the best place I see this is uh like because I, I I like to go play video poker or kino or whatever at the casino.
1: Another editor's note for your consideration. Some of us live in Nevada, where gambling is commonplace. Thank you.
2: And you see these mm-hmm. rituals just come to life. People have their machine that they play at. They have to have their hands like in yeah, a certain way, especially yeah. if they're getting some sort of like a like a bonus. Like they have to like place their hands on top. The way they tap the buttons, like everything about it is so ritualized to like maximize their luck. It, it's, it's insane. And when I was watching this episode, it just reminded me about how people have this special relationship with a certain video poker machine. Corey, casino. do
0: you have uh, special <laughs> rituals when you play?
2: Uh, I like to take my shirt off, so I'm just in my wife beater, and then I get my big <laughs> gulp and I fill it up with quarters, and then I have to have my lucky strikes with me. Yeah. Do they still make sure. lucky strikes? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I don't have any rituals, because I never win.
0: Smokers are also very ritualistic people.
2: Yeah, that makes... I You'd know
1: more than I would. I'm not... Uh, yeah, yeah. You you've been a smoker. Yeah, before,
0: I mean anyway. people who smoke are often again it's a lot of times the ritual of smoking is as much important as the smoking itself and people will tap their pack a certain number of times or, you know, use their light. They'll flip do one cigarette upside down. Uh uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tons of people do that. So it it's funny to think about how that plays into stuff like this. I you guys took way mm-hmm. better notes than I did. I wrote that William Shatner is really thin, uh, and has a cute butt. He's he's looking he was, really good in this episode.
1: Yeah. He he's looking very svelte and uh he's got that nice handsome face. I actually thought it was funny because I thought he was way more attractive than the actress who played his wife.
0: I did too. He was I handsome. thought the same thing.
1: Yeah.
0: He is super hot in this. Like he's got leading man vibes for mm-hmm. sure.
1: And I was thinking like maybe like it's actually like he's gay and she you know, <laughs> it's the typical like gay guy who yeah beard. who has a beard who's much less attractive than him.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like as the episode went on, she was a lot smarter mm-hmm. than him, so I thought that was sort of why it evened out cuz he was still that Captain Kirk kimbo He needs some brains with his beauty.
1: He uh she did a really good job. I thought she was she did a really good job acting in this episode. I actually read too that they had such good chemistry. That they wanted this actress to play his wife again at Nightmare at twenty thousand feet, but I don't think they could make it happen or something. So,
2: I, I know that this this is a Twilight Zone podcast, and we've only talked about Twilight Zone on it for like the last uh, eight months. But like, how good is this fucking show, guys? Like, it is so good. Like, and just like scrolling through all the episodes to to find the ones that we needed to watch. I knew like they were all famous. They were all part of pop culture. Like this show is so amazing. I need to, I need to uh-huh. watch it more.
0: It's wild scrolling through and being like, oh, I remember that one. I remember that one. You remember them all so well that rewatching is sometimes hard because you remember the endings. Mm-hmm. I will say, I know theoretically, or I have an inkling that if we were to ever watch another show or have a podcast about some other show. We might rag on it for trying to copy the Twilight Zone, yep. but watching this and talking about how classic it is, you really can't blame mm. them.
2: Yeah, I mean yeah. that was their inspiration, right? How many sci-fi shows were were on at the time? And you saw that in like the first couple episodes of uh, of TOS,
0: mm-hmm. where they were
2: trying to be so like provocative. Like, they what were if, trying
0: to be Twilight
2: Zone. Mm-hmm. What if humans were gods? How would they act? It might go something like this:
1: Charlie X. Def- I'm
2: sorry. Go. Keep going on. Core. No, I was just going to say, and it doesn't work.
1: Well, and too, like, Charlie X was definitely, I felt like, definitely inspired by the one where the kid had the mental powers in their hometown, and he was like a god terrorizing it's, the whole thing.
0: It's good that you yeah. did yep. that, Timmy. It's good that you put him <laughs> in the cornfield. Yeah.
1: And I think, too, I, I, we've talked about this on this podcast before, but being 25 minutes really helps out the show because it makes it nice and quick. You Uh don't have to pad it. It, You're just able to really concentrate on the fundamentals of the story and create a really good, really good atmosphere. So I just think this was like a 10 out of 10. Of just like very interesting, like good acting, a really interesting story, very minimalist, very elegant. I just love this episode. I I remember watching it before because Emily and I were talking about that. You know, we watched a lot of Twilight Zone around New Year's Eve or New Year's Day and uh, Fourth of July on the Fourth sci-fi of July. Channel. But really being able to go back and look at it with a critical eye, this episode was just so great. I just thought it was amazing.
2: We haven't talked about the craziest quote in this episode, and I did want to bring it up, even though it has language that you
0: would Can I guess what it is?
2: <laughs> yeah, go for it.
0: Is it when Kirk's uh Kirk, when William Shatner's character says that being an alcoholic means that you hide bottles in the chandelier? <laughs>
2: It's not that, but that was pretty crazy. I guess that's what people did back then.
0: I was like, what is he talking about? How is some 1950s alcoholic climbing up a ladder and hiding bottles in a chandelier? It's
2: made of glass. I don't know. That's crazy. Uh, Emily has a
0: lot better tips of where you
1: hide alcohol from your loved ones to make sure they don't worry about
2: you.
0: (laughs) Catch me on my other podcast. (laughs) My liver is failing.
2: So no, that's not the quote. I'll just go ahead and say the quote. They're having an argument and she's like kind of um, patronizing him. And he's like, you don't have to treat me like a retarded child.
1: Oh, yeah, I saw that. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that didn't age well. No, it didn't. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Also, like, don't gild the lily. All right. You don't have to treat me like a child works just as well. (laughs) don't need to don't need to build it on that i the other luckily
1: our society has come further and that's now offensive but uh it wasn't back then so
0: i also like that there's a quote when he's like starting to get obsessed with the machine and he's trying to figure out what's going on and he gets very very strong kirk vibes captain kirk and he just goes what kind of alien demon are you
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you guys want to say? I thought this episode was great. It was such a, it was, it was so nice watching it. I loved it.
0: Well, the one thing I was, when you were going to say the set setting is so cheap. One thing I noted is that the lighting is so good and so dramatic. And so like, they have these corners in the cafe that are really dark and then the actors will be well lit, but that contrast just makes it so eerie and uncomfortable and, I don't know if it's just because it's black and white or if the Twilight Zone decided on this, but they're, they are always just so good at their lighting. It's theatrical, like you're in a theater. Yeah. It's,
2: no, it's like a it's like a 12 Angry Men vibe. I mean, when your setting is so simple, mm-hmm. you can just really focus on quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. That was cool.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I don't know. I just love the way that the story was built up and how it really took a really creepy turn, but it didn't like you kind of almost didn't notice it. You know, you you just, it was like mm-hmm. freezing to death. You know, you didn't realize you were in trouble until it was too late. So it was just, I, I thought it was amazing.
0: It does. I've noticed this in old films. I think there, there's a tendency of actors who were trained how to act for the stage. And when they're on TV sets, sometimes it plays like way over the top and makes things really mm-hmm. cheesy. And Star Trek feels ahead of the curve because they're doing all this camera work where you're like really close in or it's they're almost trying to do like a walk and talk or they're doing all these cuts that the acting sometimes feels too big for that close-up camera work yeah. but this is a good example of the the tv producers setting this stage up so it functions like a stage so there's like a part where the woman after they almost get hit by a car she's like kind of has her head her head and her elbow and she's like upset and i'm like oh if this was closer on her this would look really silly but kind of zoomed out so you can see the whole scene at once it's perfect like the emotion is resonates
1: yeah no i i totally agree it, I, it was shot well and i don't know what else i can say the, the whole thing was just really well done top to bottom
0: This hellish spot is in Ohio, which is appropriate. It is hellish to this day. (laughs) Someone who just drove through it, just drove through Dayton, exactly where they go down. It was so good to see the Gorn for the first time because we're so used to them being this villain. They throughout.
2: never show you know, the up, up again, Emily. They're only in that episode. They only show up once. I'm sick of telling you that. No,
0: I swear in DS9 we see the Gorn no. with the the helmet. Oh my god, Rod Sterling! Never... Uh, 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 uh. Clint,
1: what
0: hey, are you talking oh
1: about? Oh my god, I'm sorry. I must have fallen asleep again while you guys were arguing. I know we edited it out but Rude.
0: Uh, it happens constantly.
1: I had the weirdest dream. I dreamt that Star Trek never existed and this is a Twilight Zone podcast.
0: Oh, I like the Twilight Zone. That's a good Zone. show.
1: We should uh, review an episode. Yeah. Yeah, I like a William Shatner I think one.
0: George Takei is on an episode. Yeah, there's a George Takei one oh, too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> actually, it was an actually a better podcast than than the one we do now, but Let me guess, I was the host? No, Emily was the host. (laughs) Oh, that doesn't sound good.
0: All right, welcome to Chaos Town.
2: It was a real nightmare, let me tell you. Well, Emily, since you were the host of that one, do you want to close us out on this one?
0: Yeah, uh, come back next week. I'm not saying Clint sign off. Kappa.